Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Pastor May J. Good seeing you coming to you on the Walling Ministries here at our Sunday School Hour. We thank God for you joining us this morning. We pray that you would just continue to support our ministry here. Um, our on the wall e ministry Bible school on Friday evenings and also our Sunday school hour here at nine o'clock each and every Sunday morning, followed at nine thirty with our worship hour. So with beautiful lesson this morning. We've been talking about God's call. God's call on our lives and how it impacts us. And uh, we're talking about this week the results of his call. We talked about last week uh the responsibility of those calls. Now we're looking at the results of the call. We are hoping to be able to uh, give us some insight on how we are to impact our lives uh, to be able to cause people to grow or to stumble. That's our positive. We are always positive or negative, pessimistic or, or optimistic, or we are always uh, trying to uh, uh, lead someone toward God, or, or in a sense, lead someone away from God. Negative is, is always leading someone toward God, I mean, away from God. So we thank God for that this morning. Let's look at our lesson coming out of 1 Peter, the second chapter, verses 1 through 10. 1 Peter, the second chapter, verses 1 through 10. Results of God's call. Uh, again, coming out of February the 22nd, our lesson 13 in our standard commentary. Uh, we are coming out of First uh, Peter, uh, the second chapter, verses 1 through 10. Our scripture reads this morning, While laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may, be, uh, may grow thereby. If it be so, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. To him is coming, to whom coming is also unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Verse 5, ye also as lively stones are built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable unto God by Jesus Christ. Verse 6. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay on Zion the chief cornerstone, the elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Verse 7, unto you, therefore, which believe in his precious, but unto them which is disobedient, the stone which the builders disallow, the same is made the head of the corner. Verse 8, and a stone is a stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar nation, that ye should show forth the praise of the whom who has called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Verse 10, our last text. Which in time past was not a people, but are now a people of God, which have not obtained mercy, but now obtain mercy. May God bless the reading and hearing of his holy and his righteous word Amen. this morning. Our key text this morning is, Ye are chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye shall show forth the praises unto him who has called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Out of our lesson this morning, uh, we want to look at our lesson aims this morning. Uh, lesson aims to identify the stone 
uh, that causes people to stumble. Identify that stone, then explain why certain thoughts and actions are uh, incompatible with the status as a member of a holy priesthood. Then state uh, to the class that the four identifications in First Peter second chapter verse nine a is most convicting to him or her and why. Uh, we just thank God for you joining us this morning. So we're going to get into our study. Let us bow. Father God, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come. And, and as we come, we ask that you would just lower your servants and in the deep well of thy salvation. Touch my lips that I may boldly uh, open up the word that people's hearts might be uh, softened to be able to receive the word. And then it will be able to reap the goodness in the kingdom of God. Lord, we thank you and praise you in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Results of the call. So as we get into our introduction this morning, hopefully, question of our identity. You know, we live in a time when questions of identity is predominant in who are uh, we and in terms of our political or consumer taste and what relationships define us and are those markers static or are they fluid? And the questions multiply from these starting points. And as the New Testament uh, writers amply attest, Jews uh, from the time of religious uh, uh, a leadership class all the way down to the common people found that their identity in God and in the Pacific uh, religious practices of the law of Moses. When we read the New Testament today, we sometimes lose sight of the fact that the becoming a Christian was a huge step in those cultural and religious contexts of those Jews back in those days. They had a whole lot of stuff that they had to lay down in order for us to pick up the cross of Christ and to believe that uh, salvation is by faith and not by following the law of Moses. So beginning with the apostles, these church leaders worked tirelessly to help these new believers to come to themselves in this new light, to understand that salvation is free, their identity is in Christ, and everything is equal when it comes to whether you're a Jew, Greek, Gentile, or, or whoever. God uh, loves all. There's room. I like that song said, there is room at the cross for you and me. So from every nation, every tribe, God has an identity for us in Christ if we would only believe and accept the call that he's given us. So what is the results of the call? We become like Christ. We become identified with him. So our lesson context today, Peter is undoubtedly the most prominent among all of the 12 apostles. His name is listed in Matthew uh, 10, 2 and 4, Mark 3, 16 and 19, Luke uh, 6, 13 and 15, Acts uh, 1 and 13. His denials of Jesus and subsequent reinstatement are significant markers in his life. In some uh, commentators use those and other indicators of Peter's life in terms of four chronological segments in our lesson today. In regard, they are not exhaustive, but they are representative. Talks about earlier in his ministry, and then about his time that he spent with Jesus, and then his uh, post-ascension. How did he relate to Christ? Oh no, then his later life. Uh, those 27 books of the New Testament include two that were ascribed to the Apostle Peter. And the first of those two are particularly thick with citations from the illusions of various Old Testament passages. But one count, Peter is to be tied 
or for second place with Hebrews in the highest percentage of verses. Uh, 69% of its 105 verses were reflect Old Testament passages. You got to realize they didn't have nothing but the Old Testament scriptures. They didn't have New Testament, so they didn't have anything but to quote out of the Old Testament. So what uh, authority or what uh, uh, literature or what background did they have in order for to uh, to uh, quote out of except for the Old Testament? Mm -hmm. There was no references. Uh, the the uh, Septuagint uh, wasn't written yet because that was in Greek. And what we had was uh, those, those uh, first five books, the Pentateuch of the Old Testament, which were the laws given unto Moses. So that's what he had in front of him. So Peter was particularly fond of drawing from the book of Isaiah when he was doing his teaching. So we should also wonder who Peter's primary intended audience was. Who was Peter talking to? Were he addressing major, uh, mainly Christians of the Jewish background, Christians of Jewish or Gentile background, or, or, or both? We don't understand it, but supporting the theory that Jewish Christian audience was in this opening verse. Notes that the letter was designed and addressed to those strangers that were scattered uh, throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And the word translated scattered means, we talked about it last week, that diaspora or the dispersion or when, when they scattered. Uh, this, uh, this is when the Jews became scattered because of persecution and when persecution became uh, very evident around uh, Jerusalem at that time. Uh, th that's how God allowed the gospel to spread by scattering and the, that uh, the uh, diaspora was how God did it. On the other hand, some people support that the audience were Gentile uh, had, by certain other indicators. So we're going to get into that today to understand what was the audience, who was he speaking to. But then we got to understand that God is also speaking to us. Not only is he speaking to Jews and Gentiles of that day, this letter is addressed to us as newborn babes as we get into our study for Peter, for second chapter, verses 1 through 3. We talk about the exhortation. Verse 1 says, Wherefore, laying aside what all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings, here he's telling them that as a newborn babe, uh, you are, uh, have to lay aside some things in order for you to grow. You can't continue to grow in Christ, continuing doing the old things, the same old things that you used to do. So this opening, wherefore, gives an implication of what has been said in terms of the necessity or the necessary action to be taken as a born-again Christian. So here Peter's audience, members of this congregation, he wrote, he received the gospel of Jesus Christ. They did it willingly. They obeyed the truth and had purified their souls and had been born again. And subsequently, they would must resolve to live in a way that was uh, subsequent or to the way that Jesus Christ in, uh, instructed them to live. So here he is saying that in order for you to grow spiritually, you have to lay aside some things that are envious. And I talk about, we're talking about vices. And, and, and as we look at our text, most of these are talking about how we relate to other people. You know, not what we're doing to ourselves. We do a lot of harm to ourselves. 
But malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings, he's talking about how do we relate to other people. And a lot of times in our Christian faith, we have a hard time relating to other people, even though we call ourselves Christians. He says in verse 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow therein. And uh, if these different levels of spiritual maturity and different foods that is represented in our lesson today. He said that you should desire, the, as a newborn babe, milk that will help you grow. He's not telling you to stay there. You know, don't, don't stay on milk always. He's going to tell us later on that you should be eating meat by now, but you're still drinking milk. But he said that as a new believer, you should desire the milk of his word so that milk of his word will be able to help you grow in spiritual uh, uh, growth each and every day. Uh, those two extremes is to avoid that when it comes to milk of the word as spiritual nourishment. One extreme is to become so attached to milk that the believer is satisfied. I told you Reverend E.G. Williams said, never be satisfied, but be gratified. Thank God that I've grown this much. But there is so much more that God has for me to do. But if I become satisfied, staying on the milk, not ever getting to be able to grow to the point where I can digest meat, the meat of God's word, then I'll never be able to grow into that what God uh, desired me to be. Mm -hmm. And then that's the expectation for us to what? To grow. God expects us to grow, not stay on the milk, but grow to be able to mature, to get to be able to help somebody else. All right, then the explanation, verse 3. So, if so be you have tasted the Lord is gracious. Uh, this phrase talks about uh, having our, our ears to be able to hear. And he said, taste and hear. He's quoting out of Psalm mm -hmm. 34. Taste and see taste. that the Lord is good. He said that if you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, that you should be able to grow. If you've been able to get any. Uh, taste of God's word. You don't need a whole lot of it. I, I, I was telling the lady in the store the day here, we talk about tattered edges. Tattered edges. I was in the Gideon ministry and I became a Gideon speaker. Uh, I was president of the Brookville Camp of Gideons International. And, and uh, you go into churches and you speak. And as you speak in churches, you, you try to encourage people to donate uh, to the Gideon ministry where we place Bibles in what? Uh, in your, your elementary schools, high schools, and nursing homes, and hospitals, and waiting rooms of doctors. And we, we, that's what the Gideon ministry do. But we had this thing about tattered edges that we used to teach, that tattered edges. See, mm -hmm. people in the... We, we are so used to having Bibles in the United States that Bibles lay around and throw around and, and they said never get open. But when you're into a, 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 a country that don't have many Bibles and the Word of God catch on fire, people want to read the Word of God, but they don't have enough Bibles. So uh, if, if I would lead you to Christ and you accept Christ and then you want to lead others to Christ, I tear the Bible out of a chapter and give it to you. Mm -hmm. And then once you lead somebody to Christ, you'll tear out a chapter or something and give it to them. So after a while, you got down to the point where people were witnessing with one page out of the Bible with the tattered edges where they couldn't even read all of the scriptures. But out of those tattered edges, those pages, people's lives got saved. People were led to Christ. See, you don't need all of God's words. You just need to taste and see just a what? A little bit of words. Mm -hmm. He said, so if you've tasted it and if you've seen it, 
then you understand how precious it is, and then you would want to grow to the fullness that God has in store for you. Amen. So here Paul is telling us, or Peter is telling us, that if we would recognize and to implement what God has given to us, we will grow out of this state that of spiritual infancy that many of us are still in, been in church all your life, and you still have dealing with milk and your your, your, your uh, maturity is not grown to what God wants you to be. So as a living stone, our second part of our study, 1 Peter 2nd mm -hmm. chapter, verses 4 through 8, he says to, To whom coming and unto a living stone, disallowed indeed unto men, but chosen of God and precious. He said the focus of discussion now shifts to believers who Peter is writing uh, to the, the Lord, uh, writing to the Lord himself. Peter accomplished this by drawing on Psalm 118. And, and he said that this is the proof that, that, that we are the living stones of God, disallowed even by men, but chosen of God. See, what was uh, disallowed by man, God chose. He chose the simple things of the world to be able to make great. He took the poor things of the world. He, I think we talked about it in Bible study. Uh, isn't the rich of the world that, 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 uh, that, that, uh, that caused you to suffer, that, that put you in jail? He said that, but it's the simple, it's the poor of the world that he is made to make rich in his glory. God has taken the simple thing to make rich in his glory. He said, to whom as unto a living stone, we might be disallowed indeed by men, but we have been chosen by God and we are precious in his sight. He, he's telling us that. So we have to be encouraging uh, when we're going out to be able to let others know that we serve a living God. Amen. Verse 5 says that the result, he said that the model is that we are a living stone, but the result of it is that you are also, what? A living stones and are built up as a spiritual house and a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable unto God by Jesus Christ. As rapidly as Peter has shifted his focus away from his readers, so now he shifts back to them. One stone does not a building make. Mm -hmm. huh? No matter how immersed or immense the stone may be, God's spiritual house requires all of us, numerous of what? Lively stones, not dead stones. Their identity is not in doubt, but is witnessed by the opening of ye also. So we are part of the family of God. We are lively stones and we are built not of a house, but a spiritual house. Not this building, brick and mortar, but God has a spiritual house. And I was thinking about that in... Uh, I might mention that on another day. I was thinking about that in my lesson on Friday night. Uh, we've been teaching. We didn't teach on this Friday night. But uh, but the lesson is talking about uh, us giving. How do we give into the house of God? How do we give? We know that the Old Testament, uh, uh, because of the Levites, did not have, have a, uh, a land promise as they entered into the uh, promised land that they didn't get an inheritance of land. So God said that, uh, a tenth of every other tribe would give back unto the Levite tribe so that they could have meat for their table. And, and then he said that, uh, that 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 was given to the priestly order. So now in the body of Christ, we are all priests. Isn't it right? Mm -hmm. So if the tithes go to the priests, now who did the tithe go to them if we are all priests? 
So we give to each other. Mm -hmm. That's my point. The church is based on us being a blessing so that we are part of the lively stones in the body of Christ. Amen. So that we are all priests. So that our job is to give to God, press down, shaking together, running over, so that it can give into the lives of other people. We are to give into the lives of others. That's our duty, is to build up the body of Christ. And to build up, we are lively stones, and we are built up as a spiritual height, a holy priesthood, every one of us, individually and collectively. Look at it. We are priests, but all of one body. We are not individually, but we are collectively. And, and we are to offer up what? Spiritual sacrifices. The only one that can offer up sacrifices is a priest. So a priest is the only one that can offer up uh, sacrifices. So who are? We are priests, so we offer up spiritual sacrifices that will be acceptable unto God. God don't want the blood of goats and bulls anymore. He said, no more blood of goats and bulls. He wants your heart. He wants your life. He wants you to give your life to him. Spiritual sacrifices, things that you have sacrificed to give him glory and to give him honor. See, this concepts of priesthood in the temple have not done away with rather they are transformed. See, he didn't do away with the temple. He made us the temple. Yep. Huh? He, he, he didn't do away with the blood of sacrifices. Christ became the what? The blood sacrifices for all. So the Old Testament did not do away with what was necessary. We today, we are still living under uh, the New Testament covenant, but the Old Testament points to the cross, and the New Testament points back to the cross. See, each one of them had a purpose. Christians do not need a priest as the ancient Israelites did because we are now a priest ourselves and we serve under the great high priest, Jesus Christ. Amen. So if tithing went to the priest, now tithing goes to us to go to each other because yes. we are all priests. If I have to be uh, supporting the tribe of Levi, which is a priestly order, now you're a priest. That means that I have to support that priest that is in you to make your life just as acceptable as mine. Amen. That's the Christian way to live. Mm -hmm. Always elevate other people. Always lift other people up. Bring people up the way that you came up, and mm -hmm. then you'll become a blessing unto them. Then prophesied on part C of our study, the result. He called the model, the result, and the what's prophesied. He said, Wherefore, also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay on Zion the key stormstone, the elect precious, and he that believes on him should not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them that is disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. Here Peter demonstrates the value of Scripture as he begins to weave together these several Old Testament Scriptures. The particular reference to Isaiah 28 and Romans 9 and 10 compare that. The quotes read quite the same in the Old English of Isaiah because Peter quoted this ancient Greek version of the Old Testament from the Septuagint that I told you before. Mm -hmm. He said that wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. So the scripture gives us background on how we should live and how we should be uh, 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 carrying out the call that have God has. That should be some results in our life. Any call, you got to have results, ain't it? You got to have results. And then the results are that we are what? Now part 
of this great kingdom of God. We are now part of this great, under the great chief cornerstone, which is Christ. He said that if you believe in him, you shall not be confounded. And therefore, believe that he is precious. That, that, but unto him that, that are disobedient, the stone that the builders disallowed, the same is made. Whether you believe it or not, Christ will not change. Whether you believe it or not, Christ's authority will not diminish. Whether you believe it or not, God is still God. God does not change. He said that he is a God and he never changes. So we got to trust God to believe that he is those two occurrences in our text today entirely consistent with identifying that Christ is the chief cornerstone of the church. And once we believe in him, that we can have the same authority and power that he had to be able to offer salvation to a world and to help someone uh, to not uh, uh, to accept the, the, the call that Christ has on their lives. Then verse 8 says, And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, be disobedient, whereunto they are all appointed. He said that first two phrases of their parallels, he said that they, they are a stone of stumbling, but they are also what? A rock of offense. Mm -hmm. uh, here he said that because they will not accept what Jesus is or who mm -hmm. Jesus is, mm -hmm. that he is a stumbling block to them. Yes. He's a rock of offense to them. And he but say, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they are appointed. Mm -hmm. So it's worthy for us to understand that Jesus as a stumbling block to others, we intend prefer to be appealing to God. God wants to draw us toward him, not to push us away from him. See, now everybody will believe uh, that you'll be in, once you present the gospel to them, they won't believe. But you have to be able to uh, sow the seed, allow the seed to uh, germinate, germinate, allow it to take root and grow, mm -hmm. and then you leave it alone. See, once you sow the seed, and, uh, but I, I did this morning, I, I, I wrote this morning, I wrote this morning, I was talking about this morning about uh, how, how do we, how do we baptize a lot of people? I think I put it on Facebook this morning. We baptize a lot of people in the Baptist church and in the Christian Protestant church, but we lose a lot. We baptize but we lose a lot. In fishing, you have what you call catch and release. Mm -hmm. You don't do that in church. Mm -hmm. I think I posted this morning. Church is not. Church fishing is not catch and release. You catch it and keep it. God wants us to catch the fish and keep the fish, but don't throw the fish back. Throw the catch and release. No, we want to catch the fish and let them be a part of our family forever. Not catch and release them and have an opportunity to catch them again. See, that's what we do a lot of time in our churches. We have uh, revivals. We catch and release. The next rival, we what? Catch and release. God wants us to catch them, to be able to hold them, and not allow it to become a stumbling block to them so that they can be able to receive the word. For a new beginning, uh, our third part of our study, First Peter uh, uh, verses 9 and 10. 
He said, but ye are what? A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. He said that you are a chosen generation. Draws to the ancient uh, Septuagint verse in Isaiah 43. The church as a chosen generation has not been granted the status because of its accomplishments. Not because of who we are. Not because of how big the church is. Not because of how many members we got. Not because of anything that we've done. God has chosen it because God selected us to be his chosen priesthood. Mm -hmm. He called us out of a call. You know, in ancient Israel, the royal lineage was always uh, according to the priesthood by a family member. Now God said he's calling us out of a call. Gentile, Jew, Greek. It doesn't make who you are, male, female. It doesn't make God calls you and has appointed you as a royal priesthood. And all of us are priests that we should minister to one another. That's what the holy priesthood is about. Our duty is to, to is to give, to minister to one another. Because I'm giving back to the ministry based on God's commandment. We're giving back to the Levitical order, the priestly order, to help people survive. So we're to minister to one another. That's what we are. We are called to minister not to particular people, but to what? To all people. He said that we are a holy nation, a peculiar people. These two concepts draw the promises given to Israel. God told the people that they would be unlike any other people on earth. And their dedication and service to God and in God's favor to him was like no other. God created Israel just like he created all mankind. But through Israel, God was going to allow Israel uh, to be a blessing. What did he tell Abraham? Through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So we are now part of that holy nation through Jesus Christ. That peculiar people, part of the family of God, adopted through the blood of Jesus. That we show forth what praises unto him that has called us out of the darkness of our sinful life mm -hmm. into the marvelous light of our salvation in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then our identity, verse 10, which in time past we were not a people, but are now the people of God that had, would not obtain mercy, but now we have obtained mercy. We are not part of the promise. Because God chose Israel to be his covenant people. But in the New Testament, when Christ died on Calvary, he offers us salvation through his death and his resurrection. Now we become a family of God. We are part of the family of God. We were not a people in the past because we were not part of the lineage and the blood of the Jewish people. But now, by the adoption of Jesus Christ, we are part of the family of God. We are the people of God. We had not obtained mercy, but through Christ now, we have obtained mercy that has been made available to, from the time of the world that it began, but Christ chose, but now Christ has chosen us. He chose Israel, but now he's chosen me and you. Mm -hmm. We are part of the great commission that God has given unto the world. We are called, and the results of our call is to able to go out into Matthew uh, 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 28, verses 19 and 20. He said that all power was given unto me, into heaven and in earth. He said, go ye therefore in all of the earth, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I'll be with you always even until the end of the earth. God has got a call on our lives. So yes. we have to 
uh, the result of the call is that we have to answer the call. So have you answered the call to lead somebody to Christ? So the identity or the question of our identity is the center of our today's text and our conclusion. In the face of persecution and suffering, those believers of whom Peter wrote seem to have had their doubts. In our contemporary world, the issue of our identity as Christians are just as important. Uh, our world bombards us with endless identity options, but these options in and out of themselves range from harmless to sinful activities. But all of these have in common is that they must give way before our allegiance to the King Jesus. Christians serve uh, that King as members of his royalty. Do you act like royalty huh? in your best sense of the world? Do we treat fellow Christians as though they are princesses and princes alongside us? They're not lower than us. They're not bigger than us, but they are princes right along with us. I See, most that. of all, do we honor Jesus or, or do we uh, uh, do all we uh, in all we do? as obedient servants to his word. Do we do we honor him? Mm. May we honor the role in this year and beyond to work toward unifying all believers as holy, as royal members of the body of Christ. All of us. Mm. With our differences, with our weaknesses, with our strengths, with everything. God made us a body of Christ. Let the strong bear the infirmities of the weak. The weak is there for us to see whether or not that we're real or not. Mm -hmm. God put the poor with us to see whether or not are we giving the way that we should give. So we are called to be servants of the Most High God. But our duty is to be able to be obedient to his word and to serve him. So our prayer this morning is, Lord God, help us to remember our identity in your son, Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. as we live out that identity in him. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm. Our thought to remember, our ultimate identity is to be found in Christ alone. We thank you this morning for joining us for our Sunday school. We hope that you have enjoyed it. Hopefully, you'll be able to get something out of it to be able to equip you to be able to stand during this week. A lot of challenges, a lot of things going to happen, but what you need to do is to understand your identity. Understand the call that God has on your life. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. 